everybody. Welcome to Chatting with Agnes and Cecilia. It's Monday, May 6th. And today's topic, are international associations really that different? Chatting with Agnes and Cecilia is brought to you by Rogue Tulips, LLC, a 501c consulting firm. And we are also at Rogue Tulips, a proud supporter of the 501c League, which is a virtual membership organization for all 501c professionals. I'm here today with my co-host, Agnes Amos Coleman. I am Cecilia Sup. I am the principal and founder and sometimes technical person behind this program. <laughs> we do. We had a little glitch this morning, but uh, I am, as I said, a longtime association executive, founder of the 501C League, as well as my work at Rogue Tulips as a consultant for 501C organizations. And I want to throw it over to Agnes so she can introduce herself. Good morning, everyone. I'm Agnes Amos Coleman. I'm an author and a consultant with Rogue Tulip. And Agnes is also a mentor in the 501C League Mentoring Program. So thank you for that, Agnes. We appreciate it. That's correct. Thank you. So today's topic, are international organizations really that different from U.S. associations? Uh, this topic came up for both of us because we're kicking off kind of an international month here at Chatting with Agnes and Cecilia because Agnes is going on a trip to Nigeria and I will be going on a trip to Australia. And at least one of our program episodes will be recorded while we are in completely different parts of the world. So we're kind of looking forward to that. So we thought, let's talk about international issues. And Agnes has a whole list of topics that we cannot get through in 15 minutes. So Agnes, what do you want to start with? Sure, Cecilia, thank you. You know, associations globally have the same global issues. And some of the issues that we're not, of course, going to be able to discuss in depth today are technology issues, political issues, regulatory and compliance issues, risk issues, talent management, and cultural issues. And the reason why I wanted to give this kind of overview of high-level topics is because these are the issues that we all, you know, grapple with as an association or as association professionals. So, you know, they, they are issues that we deal with in our day-to-day -day life, uh, but depending on the part of the world that we operate from, um, these are going to be unique to that culture. And that's one thing that we have to bear in mind, Cecilia. But overall, the business issues are the same, but the application and the principles are going to be very different, and it will be regional or culturally based. You know, and, and those are excellent points because we also face those in a smaller way in the United States because the different regions of the U.S. are very different, you know, Good north point. and south, east and west, midwest, you know, upper northwest versus lower northwest, uh, midwest, I should say. I think I said northwest, I meant midwest. Um, but so we do have these different issues. Uh, even just in the state where I'm from, Missouri, there's like this big divide between Kansas City and St. Louis for some reason. Um, probably because we're on opposite ends of the state. So it's very different. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, though, is the, the benefit of technology for international mm -hmm. outreach. Um, I know a lot of U.S. organizations are really trying to be more global, which I think is great, because we need to find things that we have in common that connect us. Uh, but it also kind of brings us back to that uh, the new boogeyman of GDPR, 
and I call it the new boogeyman because years ago it was social media, then it became the revisions to the 990 form. Now we're all like GDPR, are we compliant or not? Um, and I think that maybe that might be putting some US organizations off. I don't think it should. I think that uh, you know we can definitely reach out to people. I know international components, like international chapters can be an mm -hmm. issue. Uh, you know, how are you giving them service? How do we, how do we do this? You know, how mm -hmm. do, how do we, uh, keep those things going? Um, but I want to get your take on this. You've lived around the world. Yes. Uh, different places. And over, you know, over the years of just my studying and getting to know people and how things work and actually helping start an international chapter earlier in my career. Uh, one of the things I learned was that in Europe, joining groups is much more important than it is in the United States. And so I wanted to get your take on that. Like, did you find that moving around to the different countries you've lived in, that joining groups was more important in different parts of the world than maybe it is here? You know, I, I don't think so. I think that the issue is, you know, what you don't know, you don't know. And knowledge is you and I know it's evolving. Right. And I think what you find is that as people begin to understand the impact of, you know, joining groups and, and being part of the international community and the value that it brings, then there is that awareness to participate. Um, and, but because a lot of people are evolving in their field, and as you mentioned earlier on, technology is playing a significant part in how we all do business globally. Um, so it's making it a lot easier for us to, to join groups, to become part of associations, and even to look at remote work, for instance. I mean, a few years ago, it's a no-no for most organizations, but we're seeing that significant change, and most global organizations are now uh, you know, working in a global environment and they're able to have teams in Asia, in Africa, in Europe, in North America, South America, and really delivering business results. So joining groups are becoming um, a more uh, acceptable and more um, prominent thing to do as people begin to understand the value that it brings and technology is definitely helping us achieve that goal. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, you and I have had many conversations about my love of technology and video and real-time communication like we're doing now. And, and just so people who may be watching this episode and future episodes uh, should realize, I am in Maryland and Agnes is in Florida. And so we're able to do this <laughs> because of technology. We're able to bring the Mid-Atlantic and the South together. And that's, that's correct. A great thing, I think. Um, but... One of the things that I often see, and, and I think it makes sense, uh, a lot of countries look to the United States for help with association management, like how do we do it? But do, do you think that maybe we need to flip that and maybe we need to start looking at the, the associations outside the United States for how to do things? At least from my experience and really looking at the global market, the association world, it's very big in the U.S. In other countries, it's evolving, it's, it's emerging. Um, and then what you find is some countries don't even call them associations, they call them NGOs. Mm -hmm. But really, it's very similar concept as far as the governance is concerned. It's just slightly different. And, and I think the issue here is how we can find that common ground between NGOs, 
association world here or even the governance structures that it's been used globally. But foundationally, when you look at it, it's very, very similar because they all, they all have similar governance structure, but how it's all implemented, is, it's, 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 it's different. Um, and, and maybe that's where we need to start from, you know, where, where is our commonality? Where is the common grounds? And then look at, okay, where is it that we don't have that commonality and see where we can benefit and, and, and add value to each other's knowledge base. And I see tremendous opportunity there. Um, rather than, you know, we looking at to the US for help, but really looking at us as a global market and really looking at how we can all benefit from each other's experience, regardless of what we call our association entity, whether it's NGOs, association, trade organizations, and all different fancy names that we name this association structure. Well, and isn't that true, fancy names for <laughs> you know, what we're doing? Uh, because I've always kind of equated NGOs with what we refer to as nonprofits, like charities, because a lot of NGOs, they're helping people. It's, it's literacy campaigns, or we're getting people food or water, or teaching them about taking better care of themselves. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, to me, an NGO is kind of comparative, comparative, comparable. That's what I'm looking for, comparable. Yes, folks, it's Monday morning, two cups of coffee in. <laughs> but I've always thought NGOs were comparable to you know charities or foundations in the united states and 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 that that could be like a whole other chat i think is like what people say nonprofit or not for profit and that's why i say 501c because you know we're all 501c's but we may have different purposes uh but in the united states anyway but i also uh think you're right we need to start looking at what do we have in common what mm -hmm. can we learn from each other because this is why us groups want to reach out internationally because you know for example there are scientists all over the world absolutely so why not connect them in some way and then maybe every two years have a big conference like uh for example you know later this month when i'm traveling i'm going to a conference called the world taxpayers association conference which meets every two years and it's all the different tax groups from all over the world because everybody all over the world is paying taxes. And that's correct. Think about that. So that's a really great uh, of the moment example for me of how these groups get together and help each other, you know, and they share ideas about grassroots motivations because all around the world, they need to do that. And they may not call it grassroots like we do here, but that's, you know, so what they're doing. How do I get people to write letters? How do I get people to show up at meetings? And they talk about these different things and yes. uh, so I think that that's really something I but I just I just really think uh, it comes back to what you said a few minutes ago what do we have in common well so this on what we have in common not what makes us different and then what what we what's unique about us we could share and that's I think not just our profession but I think the whole world would be a better place if we did that more often um, Agreed. And there's a lot of uh, associations, Cecilia, to your point, that are very global in nature. Um, they operate, uh, you know, they're registered in the U.S., but they operate from in all countries of the world or even in Europe that operate in all countries of the world. So there are associations, but there isn't enough of them. Uh, but the few ones that are there uh, that, that do operate, do operate in the true 
global sense. And there is, again, tremendous opportunities to continue to look at some of those issues that we talked about, uh, you know, that really do, um, that, that are common, that really unite us and, and look at areas how we can improve those issues that are very unique to our regions, you know. But again, we've talked about a lot of those issues, technology issues, political issues, regulatory and compliance issues. Those are going to be regional. Risk issues everywhere, talent management, cultural issues. So again, it's really just finding that common ground for us. Yeah, and that, and that I think is uh, really the common ground. And I think that's kind of why people in other countries look to us for some advice and examples. Uh, there's a lot of places in the world where associations are growing, whatever you call them, association, NGO, professional organization. I read a really interesting book years ago called The Scion Revelation mm -hmm. by Lynn Picknett and Clive Owens. And it talks about the importance of joining groups in Europe and, and what a big part of the societal fabric it is. And I also had uh, read an article about a woman's experience moving to France. And people in France say, by the time we graduate college, we've met everybody we need to know. <laughs> and I think just some of those kind of, and I'm sure there's different viewpoints all around the world like that about groups within your society. And uh, it's actually years ago when I was consulting previously, I did some work for the Alliance Club International mm -hmm. uh, through Association Laboratory. and they were growing like gangbusters all around the world, hmm. but they were not growing in the U.S. And that's what we were trying to figure out. It's like, well, what's going on in the U.S. that's holding them back? And it was really, first of all, people in the U.S. don't feel driven to join a group. They don't feel like they have to join a group. Hmm. It's more of a choice. Whereas like in the rest of the world, like Europe and Asia, for example, people felt like, well, I need to join this group in order to advance my career. Hmm. And Whereas like in the U.S., it's kind of like, yeah, we kind of join if we feel like it. You got to give me a good reason. Um, but also it was something as simple as uh, the Lions Club likes to wear a lot of vests and pins and things like that. And the younger people were not really into that. They did, were like, well, I don't want to get written up for not wearing my yellow vest. Kind of <laughs> and so it, it was really, you know, it was kind of a very interesting, not just a generational issue, but a cultural issue about yes. what drives Americans to change. Um, because Alexis de Tocqueville gets misquoted a lot about mm. his observations of the United States in its early years about joining groups, because what made our group strong is we came together when we needed to. Mm. And then we would disband those groups. And so it wasn't always like you always had to be in the group. So we have about 45 seconds left, Agnes. So I want to leave you with a closing comment before we wrap. Well, I think, Cecilia, for closing, we I see, again, tremendous opportunity for us as a global associations, NGOs, or whatever fancy name that we want to call ourselves to really see a group as a way of helping us advance our careers. Um, and even so, not even just advancing our career, but being part of a community. It really does take a community, um, you know, to build anything or to succeed in anything because nobody stands alone. And there is the value and that impact of community that makes us stronger people. And there is a great opportunity here for us as business professionals to really um, continue to evolve in this area and look at where the opportunity lies so that we can be stronger together. 
I love it. That's a great summary. Uh, thank you, Agnes, as always, uh, for being a fantastic co-host and bringer of ideas. And as we close today's meeting, we just want to remind you, exercise your mind, uh, try out a new idea, and talk to somebody for 15 minutes. So until next time, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Bye.